Welcome to the NHL at the Rink podcast, the quarantine edition, or the pause edition, if you will. Dan Rosen here, recording from my home. As always, with me is Sean Rourke, somewhere out there. Where are you, Sean? I'm home, practicing safe social distancing. Where else would I be, Dan? Exactly. That's where you're supposed to be. That's where we're told to be. That's where we're staying right now. How's this been going for you? It's been as good as can be expected, right? There's work to do. A lot of family time that we don't normally get in the course of a season between commuting to work and traveling a bit. So uh, trying to take advantage of that, Uh, realizing how uh, unsmart I am when it comes to school and trying to help my children out. So uh, (laughs) we've got all that going for me. Absolutely. I'm realizing the same exact things as you are. We are, by the way, recording this Monday afternoon. And we got a good show for you. We're going to have Nick Foligno on, the Columbus Blue Jackets captain. He's coming on. Tom Galitti as well, our uh, colleague on NHL.com, Washington, D.C. based. But a couple of things we do need to get to. Number one, obviously the NHL is on pause because of the coronavirus and all the concerns about that. The whole world is on pause, really. But we're trying to bring some content out there. So there is the NHL pause binge on NHL.com. And I don't know if you've been in that at all yet, Sean, but it is really interesting for the hockey historian, for the hockey fan. There's a lot of really great stuff in there that you can just kind of go into the rabbit hole for a little bit if you want and and see some classic games, all access shows, the road to the winter classic, things along those lines. It's really interesting stuff and it kind of gets your fix a little bit in this very unique and odd time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, you know, documentaries, uh, road to all the different outdoor games. But the the thing to me is the classic games that they have. One of the cool things in kind of going through them and and trying to digest some of it is uh, obviously there's several Montreal Canadiens games because of how dominant they've been in the NHL's history. Jacques Lemaire, who both you and I know very well from covering the Devils back in the day, makes a lot of appearances. Man, was that guy clutch. Clutch. How many times did he win the cup? I mean, clutch. Yeah, he was one of the most clutch players in the league. And and that's the beauty of this, right? Like, you get to see things that either you've forgotten about or you never saw before. I've gotten into a rabbit hole once or twice, you know, two times, I think, on this one. And I'm sure I'm going into it again at some point this week just because you need to scratch that itch every once in a while, right? Yeah, no, it's been fantastic. And then, you know, the other thing that's going to be cool this week is NBCSN. One of our one of our rights holders is doing a Hockey Week Across America promotion where they're showing classic games, not quite as classic. They're doing best uh, Stanley Cup clinching game, best game seven, the OV, best games of the OV Sid uh, rivalry, um, outdoor games, things like that. We've been doing some roundtables. I know you've been involved in a few of them, including the best outdoor game. Um, but that's going to be awesome to go through a lot of those old games and, and kind of remember, you know, how things were just a few years ago. So certainly if you want to have an escape of hockey while all of this other stuff is going on, and I do think people need escapes to stay healthy. There's still a lot of hockey to consume. And that's why we're here too. We're, we are trying to deliver some content as well. So you got the pause binge, but the other thing that's, that's up on NHL.com right now that we should certainly mention uh, the, the NHL PR department put this out, the Q and a regarding the coronavirus pause. And it answers questions for, for the answers that we know now. Uh, I did a Q and a for us on NHL.com about a week and a half ago. And, That was the unofficial version. This is now the official version. It answers a lot of different questions. 
if you're a hockey fan looking for information, this is going to be updated as updates come in. And, and as we've seen, right, Sean? I mean, they're coming in at times hour by hour, if not day by day. Yeah, it's just like society. I mean, new information comes out, and, and that affects how the NHL is doing its business. You know, I, I know that there is constant con- there's constant conversation among, you know, the decision makers in the NHL. Um, you know, Gary Batman, Bill Daly, right on down the line, Board of Governors, uh, so on and so forth. So all the information's coming in, it's being processed, and then decisions are being made off of that. And right now, that that story is at the top of our top heads and I'm sure it'll stay there for, for quite a bit because it it really is informative about where the players are, what they're doing, when they might be able to start preparing again, so on and so forth. And all of it's subject to change, obviously with, as, as the news in in general society changes, but it it certainly is a snapshot right now of where the league is at. You said the magic word right there, because the next thing I wanted to get to was our season snapshots that we're doing on .com and they're, they're running, every day uh, throughout the week, not on the weekend, but really gives you a snapshot of where the teams are right now as they as we are in this pause. And it's a good refresher. I, I, I've been reading all of them. I'm working on a few of them, but I've been reading all of them. And it provides a good refresher, really, of, of what we have done so far. And I heard Bill Daly talking about this at the same time, too. Like, every team has played at least 68 games this season. And that is, you know, he's talking about that in relation to the respectability of a season if they needed to cancel the rest of the regular season and go straight to a playoffs when we got back. And do you have a good regular season? And, yeah, you do. But it almost blew my mind, Sean, when when I realized how fast this season has gone. And the pause has enabled me to pause and look back and all of us to look back and realize it goes fast, man. It does go fast. I mean, it seems like just yesterday we were all in Dallas for for the outdoor game, um, you know, know, for the win- for the Winter Classic, hanging out on the midway and and kind of celebrating outdoor hockey in the South and what a success that was. It, that literally seems like last week, and you know, now we're at the seventy game mark for a lot of teams and and just entering kind of that uh, that sprint to the finish. Um, and these snapshots have been unbelievable as far as, you know, if you follow one team, this gives you an opportunity to kind of catch up on other teams. And look, everybody's doing that. Our colleague Tracy Myers had a story on Friday or over the weekend uh, where she caught up with Rick Bounis, the coach of the Dallas Stars. And he said basically what he's doing with all this free time he has is studying other teams, you know, on film to kind of figure out what they're doing and what he can implement or what he can counter. Because as a coach, you don't have that opportunity during a season. You're you're always what's the next game? What's wrong with my team? What do we have to do? And now his coaching staff is taking a much bigger picture and saying, you know, what are the Boston Bruins doing? How come they're so good? Is there something we can steal from their game to bring it to our game? You know, uh, what is the Colorado Avalanche doing that have made them so difficult against us? Is there something we can import there? Is there something we can counter? So, you know, everybody that's involved in this game as a fan, as a player, as a coach, you know, people that love the game and, and make a living from the game aren't walking away from it. They're, they're trying to get better for when it returns. Let's hear from one of those players right now who's in the league. And we, we were able to catch up with Nick Foligno, the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And we asked him how he's coping with this NHL being on pause right now. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm hanging in there just like everyone else. I think uh, just trying to do my part. You know, I, I think I've realized over the time now that we've kind of gotten more information and 
you know, I think at first you're angry because, you know, your whole world comes to an abrupt halt. Um, you know, so the selfishness that you feel at first, it kind of, you know, takes over, but then you realize how, how much bigger this is than you, than sports, than anything else, and how important it is that we adhere to what the health officials are saying. So I think it kind of gives you some peace at, at how serious this is. And, uh, and if everyone can do their part, hopefully we can, uh, you know, stop the spread a little bit and, and try to get back to our normal lives in somewhat not too distant future. It's a little bit, it's going to be in stages, right? As you, as you go through it a little bit, you kind of realize, like you said, that first stage was kind of anger and then you, you move on to acceptance. I, I don't want to say it's the stages of grief, but it seems to be mirroring, mirroring that a little bit closely. Yeah, no, you absolutely right. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys and say at first you aren't angry. Like, why are we canceling fans and what is this? Cause at first you're, you know, you're told it's, it's not, it's not serious. You're getting all this information, but then as you start to look around the world and actually, you know, kind of take your head out of the sand because you're so consumed in your own life, um, you know, and realize the effect it's had on this on this world and, and people all over and what they're dealing with. And, and we're trying to avoid that, you know, where, and you realize you're kind of happy we're being proactive about it. And I was telling, you know, it's it's hopefully a couple weeks of this, then that'll, you know, allow us to get back to our lives in the not so distant future. And, you know, you'll look back and say, I, I'd rather that than having to do this for months on end, you know, so, uh, who knows where this will go? Obviously, we no, nobody does, but uh, I'd rather do my part knowing that we're trying to at least stop what's going on. Uh, and it's a scary time for everyone. I mean, it's uh, it's literally life or death. And I think once you realize that, it kind of humbles you and makes you realize your own sacrifices are, uh, you know, are worth it in the end. It's funny. We were joking before we started recording about, you know, you, me, Sean, too, like with kids at home, you know, we're like, the principal, as you were saying, the the teacher, the janitor, at the times. janitor. Yeah. You know, it it humanizes us all, and and you know, I, I just what has it been like at home for you? To it's totally different for all of us. You know, we, we love our family time, but you're not always present. Now you're always present, and it's different. Well, my wife hates me. <laughs> no, no, you know we. Uh, it's been it's been hilarious just like how you've now learned to co-parent a lot of times let's be honest my wife i mean she's doing it on her own so i come in and i ruin her her schedule i ruin the structure because i'm you know riling the kids up and just excited to be home for the, the short time i am well now i'm home and you're starting to realize why she would get so upset you know and <laughs> what i was doing um so it's actually i said I thank god for her every day she's a former teacher uh she has us on a schedule believe it or not so my kids actually were doing you know, school when they should be doing school. Uh, we have, we have actual, like, it's almost like a prison yard. We got actual recess. We get to go outside and, um, you know, so it's, it's pretty comical, but you know what? It, it keeps the kids, uh, you know, in structure and they're having fun with it obviously as well. And I always laugh too. My kids just look at me wondering when I'm going to go back to play. They keep saying, do you have a game today? Do you have a game today? And I'm like, no, this is, this is dad for, for a little while here. So, uh, sorry about your luck. But, uh, but no, it's, it's, uh, I'm actually, I said to her, I go, you know, the other night we were talking, I said, it's, you know, it's something that I want to look back on and appreciate, not, you know, be frustrated with how it went. I want to appreciate the time that I got to spend with them, uh, even through such a horrific time in the world. Uh, you know, this is something that you can either look at in a way and cherish it and, and, you know, time that we get to spend together, which we always complain we don't get enough of during the year. Um, so I'm trying to look at it that way with the glass half full and, you know, and, and just making sure we're taking care of ourselves to stay healthy and, and uh, you know, weather the storm. We told our kids uh, that they would have to do calisthenics, and they were like, 
What are calisthenics? <laughs> so they're, they're, they're learning something new every day. See, <laughs> who would have thought you'd be such a good teacher? <laughs> exactly. They're like, that's, that's an old person's word. I'm like, well, I'm old. So <laughs> I didn't want to, I didn't want to tell you, I go, if you ask any of my teammates with calisthenics, right? I don't think they know he's so young. <laughs> what can you do? Like what, what can a player do right now with this time to better himself in any capacity? I mean, how are you do, getting through it to, to stay in shape and to better yourself in any possible way? Yeah, I was saying, I, I don't know if it was just dumb luck, but I actually built a gym a few years ago in my house here uh, just to have, you know, I was founding that with Torts. He likes to give a lot of days off. And, uh, you know, I was <laughs> noticing as you get older, it's it's a little easier to kind of get out of shape. So I wanted to have something that I could kind of avoid going to the rink for, but have something here. So it's actually worked out great for me uh, in that regard where, you know, you're able to get down there and actually have some of the weights that you're used to having and uh, and keep that routine. I think that's so important. I mean, you never, as athletes, we're just, we're used to being in good shape. You know, I, I think uh, for a little while you enjoy the, the, you know, the fun part of life, but then you, you want to get back to feeling good about yourself. And as an athlete, I think it's just ingrained in us. Um, so that's why I feel for a lot of the players that, you know, are in apartments uh, that, you know, condo styles that don't have the square feet that a home can kind of provide you where you can get outside pretty easily. Uh, you're not having to go down elevators or use the facilities in the, in the apartment for workout. And so I've been able to kind of keep that routine. And I know I understand some players now have left and gone back home where they probably are better set up in their summer home, so to speak, or back home and uh, can use those facilities a little bit better. So, um, you know, I don't blame those guys. It's kind of hard when you're sitting around everything that stops at uh, such a quick, you know, second, and then you're kind of left fending for yourself. Some of these guys in countries they've never been to before, you know, it's the first time over here. We have a few of those guys in our team. Um, so, you you know, there's so many different makeups to this. And I'm just kind of thankful that I, you know, have some distraction in my family and uh, can, you know, can get away from the, the boredom that does come with just being so used to being on the go. Uh, you know, it's hard for us to slow down. And, and let's be honest, March, I mean, this is when we ramp up. So, our bodies are, are all geared towards getting going right now. So it's even harder. You know, if this was, you know, a different time of the season, you kind of have that lull where this is right now, everyone's gearing up for the playoffs. Everyone's getting really excited. So, you know, your body is naturally feeling those endorphins and, uh, you know, and now you're just sitting around. So it's, it's been tough. I'm not going to lie. Do you guys, I would assume, have a, have a pretty healthy communication network amongst the players? You were just talking about some of the players. This is their first time over in the country and, and everything else that's going on. It, what do you guys do? Is it like a group message chat and, you know, you all kind of stay in touch with each other? Yeah, you know, thank God. You know, sometimes, sometimes we say technology is a, this can be so bad, but in this case, it's actually been great for the quarantine situation. At least you feel like you're connected to people. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, able to talk to guys, check in on how they're doing, how they're feeling. Uh, we have a group chat. Uh, we've actually group FaceTime, which is pretty hilarious. So you just kind of, you know, you go from seeing these guys every single day, uh, to not at all. And it just feels so weird, you know, especially not, not after battling in a playoff series or knowing, you know, your season's coming to an end. It, this is as quick as I've ever experienced anything in my life. I think for a lot of people. You know, even not just us. I mean, people that go to work every day and are told now you can't come, you know, their routines are all messed up. And uh, for us, we're all routine during the season. That's what we, we thrive on. Um, so, you know, to be able to just kind of see each other and, uh, you know, make each other laugh or just have that camaraderie that you don't have when you're quarantined, say, by yourself or uh, with just one or two other people, um, it can help at least kind of weather this uh, the situation. And um, it's, I think it's helped a lot of guys. 
Please describe what a group FaceTime is like with your team. <laughs> well, no one understands anything because you're cutting everybody off, and someone, <laughs> you know, usually there's one guy that gets ganged up on, depending on how he's come into the chat. So uh, it was pretty comical. I think, uh, yeah, we we had uh, we ganged up on a few guys in the, in the chat. I can't tell you everything we said, but um, <laughs> you know, then there's a the guy that don't say anything, and all you see is their face, and they're just laughing, but they don't say a word. And we have a couple of those guys on the team too. So uh, it's pretty comical just to, just to see each other. It just brings you, you know, right back to like you're in the locker room. So uh, it's pretty fun for us just to kind of rip each other for a bit, make everyone, make everyone feel really bad about themselves and then send them back on their way. It's usually how it works. Well, they say laughter is the best medicine. So yeah. clearly you get, you get a dose of that every couple of days when you <laughs> all connect together. Absolutely. It's the only way to do it. We got you here. So let's talk about what, the season has been like, I mean, we're hoping that there will continue to be a season at some point uh, for the 1920 season. So let's talk about the Blue Jackets a little bit, Nick. Like, why have you guys been able to stay in this race with all these injuries? Like, what is it about this team that's enabled you to stay in the race? Uh, you know, it's pretty fun. I think that's a part of the reason why, too, you're so disappointed you haven't been able to see this through uh, just with the momentum that we've kind of created with, uh, you know, the year that we've had and the belief in our room and, and the way guys have come in and, and helped us and our goaltending has stepped up when we needed it. So, you know, the storylines for us and just the, you know, the, the way our team has performed has been just so fun to be a part of. And I'm going to go back to something as cliche as, as it sounds, but it really was, it was a belief and it started at the start of the season you know, in our first meeting. And, you know, you talk about just, you know, everyone's counting us out. Everyone, you know, expects us to crumble. Uh, but the character that we all knew we had in that room, uh, you know, and, and, and finding the right recipe in order to win, let's be honest, we knew we weren't going to outscore teams. Um, but we had to find that grind, that style. And it took us, you know, if, if you remember, we kind of get out, got out of the gates a little slow, uh, but then really found our game uh, after a few games. And, and then we're starting to climb up the standings. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, all the injuries started to hit. But um, you know, I think our team really, you know, kind of set the tone there where we, we realized, you know, this is how we're going to win. This is the recipe that we need. And, um, and then you know, once, you know, actually, sorry, I take that back because we, we had a great stretch. And then I think what happens is it's human nature. You start to see that some guys, you know, maybe your point totals aren't where they need to be, or, or, you know, you're starting to get pressures. You haven't scored as many goals as you did this time last year. So you start to let the outside noise and the, the expectations start to creep in a little bit. And that's kind of what happened to our team. And then we struggled a bit uh, there. And then as, as soon as we started getting injuries, it just, it forced us back into that mentality that, you know, that, that grind, that defense, that, you know, us against everyone, because that was the only way we were going to survive. I give Torch credit and I give the guys in the room that were there credit to bring everybody in and make them all feel like this is how we need to play. And I think we went on this crazy run. I don't really remember it. 18, two or something like that to, but we just, we did, we just, we found ways to win games in uncomfortable situations and, uh, and we're comfortable in those situations where other teams are, you know, they're trying to score, they open themselves up and boom, we score that goal instead, you know, and uh, it was such a fun uh, thing to be a part of. And I think our team was really looking forward to, you know, getting in the playoffs and, and getting some guys healthy and, and then who knows where things go. As captain, you, you play a huge part in kind of setting that tone. And, and I would imagine that was one of the biggest challenges you had this year. Does it carry over into this situation as you, you try and keep everybody on the same page and, and thinking about, you know, what might be next and, and what might happen when you come back? 
Absolutely. You know, that's part of it. I think you got to be in contact with everybody and make them realize that, you know, this isn't done until we're told otherwise, you know, it's our job, like anything, you know, we have to continue to be ready and continue to prepare and, and, and keep that mindset. I know it's hard to do. It's easy to say on the phone to you guys and, and have this, you know, chat where it's rah, rah. And, but, you know, the reality is there's guys all over the place right now and we're trying to figure out what's next. But I think the guys all realize the work that we put in this year and everybody wants to see that through. I don't think anyone wants this season to end only because, you know, first of all, we owe it to our fans. We owe it to them to, to try to get back out there if we can, obviously, in a safe environment. And we're not going to do anything foolish, obviously, with the, you know, the, the recommendations of the health officials. But, you know, if we can get back out there, we owe it to them because of just the the way they've supported us this year and uh, all over hockey, not just our own fans, but all over hockey. I think it's been one of the more exciting years, really, with all the storylines and everything. But then you look at our group and just what we've been able to do for, you know, our city and, and how we played and made them proud of the team that we have. And I think guys, you know, they want to finish that. They want to come back and, and taste, uh, you know, playoff hockey with, with the storylines that we've had to date. So um, that's kind of the conversations I'll continue to have with everybody until told otherwise and, and making sure we're ready to go. That's our job. I mean, we're, we're athletes and we want to play hockey and that's what we're paid to do. So, uh, as soon as we're told that we can get back out there and it's safe, uh, we're, we're going to be looking forward to it and raring to go. I know you, you mentioned the playoffs here a few times. There you guys sit in the second wild card spot, 81 points through 70 games as we're in this pause. What would you – have you thought about it? Have you talked to any other players? Like if and when the season is able to resume, we don't know what it's going to look like. What are your ideas? Do you have an idea of what you'd like to see for the playoffs or for the rest of the regular season into the playoffs? Yeah, I think they should just cut it right now and let us be. <laughs> Isn't that what I'm supposed to say? Yeah, and then make the seed the home team, right? <laughs> yeah. No, but you know what? I, I, don't, I, I have thought of things. I mean, there's so many things thrown around. Um, but then you realize, like, just the logistics of it, it's hard. You know, I've, I've figured, you know, the best probably way that we're going to go about it is some sort of play-in because it's not fair. I think we have more games played than the team that's a point below us right now. And, so you'd want it to be on fair ground as well, you know, you, you know, but at the end of the day too, I mean, if it's an opportunity to play, uh, then I hope they, they make it so that it's, you know, not something that's too um, drawn out because of the time crunch. Um, but, you know, there is a, there is a fairness that I think every athlete wants in their sport. So I'm sure there'll be some sort of play in or how they're going to do it. Uh, that's my thought. And then, you know, I just can't imagine for me, you know, having, I would love to see, you know, a regular season finished off and that's be the best case scenario for a lot of reasons, but it's just, it, you know, the longer this goes and then what it seems like it's going to happen, I would just like to see us at least, you know, get a, get a playoffs going. I mean, I think everyone wants to play for the Stanley cup and see it rewarded. Um, I wonder how that would be for just the morale of society seeing, you know, players go back to play and hoist the championship at the end. It almost feel like, you know, a great culmination to this whole scary mess uh, of the coronavirus. So, uh, if there's some way of working that out, I'm all for it. Uh, I think guys are, you know, cognizant too that we have a huge season next year coming up as well. I don't want to understate that either. I'm kind of on the fence because you don't want to, you know, hurt a, a product that could be so great next year if we do it things the right way as well. So, uh, you know, I'm always kind of worried about that as well. Of, you know, having some of your star players playing so late into the summer that now they're not refreshed and ready to go for a huge season uh, the following. So, um, that's always something I think about, but I think at, at the end of the day, I think everybody wants to play, and I think some sort of play-in to a playoff is kind of where 
it seems like things are going, but who knows? I mean, it's ever-changing hour to hour as I'm watching the news, and who knows where things are going to go. If you can get a playoffs going this season, you're not going to hear an argument from the two of us. Nick, thank <laughs> you so much for joining us. All right, man, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, back to janitor work now. Thanks, guys. There yeah. you go. Definitely thank Nick for jumping on with us. Great stuff. Great perspective, insight from him. Very articulate, Sean. Uh, but there is still some news going on in the hockey world. We've seen the New York Rangers sign Keandre Miller, defenseman out of Wisconsin. He was the number 22 pick in the draft two years ago. Pittsburgh Penguins signed Cam Lee out of Western Michigan. The Sabres signed Brandon Biro out of Penn State. And, a, and a, maybe a bit of surprising news, and certainly big enough in Montreal, Cole Caulfield returning to Wisconsin instead of joining the Canadians. Which I think is the right move for his career at this point, right? Like, first of all, the, the Badgers – had such a disappointing year. I mean, they were loaded with talent this year and, and their season was over even before, uh, before everything got canceled. Um, so I, you know, I think he wants to go back and, and somewhat make amends for that, but he could certainly use another year in his development. I mean, he was, he was a very good player as a freshman, but I think the Canadians, while they need help up front are somewhat ecstatic that he's going to go back and have another year of skill development in, in the college game and, and you know be as physically ready as he is for when he finally turns pro well and that's why they drafted him right they didn't draft him to have him come out early and and be there when he's not ready maybe next year he goes back and he could be a hobie baker finalist because that came out too as well i'll let you take it away with the the top 10 finalists for the hobie baker award yeah, so they named the top 10 finalists. They're trying to go on with, with the process as they would normally. Obviously, there won't be a banquet, um, but they're they're kind of following the same schedule they do each year. They do a top 10, and then normally during the Frozen Four, they, do, they announce the finalists, and then on that off day in the Frozen Four, uh, the Hobie Baker Award winner is named. Um, there, you know, there's some pretty good names, obviously, on it, and, and some names that, that – NHL fans should be aware of or will soon be aware of. Um, Jack Dugan from Providence College is on it. He, he led the nation in scoring. He's uh, he's Vegas Golden Knights property. Um, John Leonard from UMass uh, led, the, led the nation in goals, I think. Um, Mark Michaelis from uh, Minnesota State, he's the leading goal scorer in, in that program's history, and that's a pretty good program. Uh, German played for the World Junior Team, so um, it'd be interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, Scotty Perunovic, from, uh, he's a Blues property. I, there's word he might sign soon. And then another guy that's on that list is Jeremy Swayman from Maine. He was the best goaltender statistically in the league. Um in college hockey, played in Hockey East, obviously with Maine, um, and kind of kept a not-so-good Maine team afloat a lot of nights. Uh, Maine has said that he signed with the Bruins. The Bruins have not confirmed that yet, but uh, another goaltender to be thrown into that Bruin pipeline. So um, it'll be interesting to see who makes the final cut, but there's certainly some really, really good players. And I've left, obviously, five other guys off of it that are as equally deserving. Yeah, maybe one of them is the next Kale McCarr. Who knows, right? I mean, he won it last year. Uh, before we bring on our next guest, it's Tom Galitti, uh, our colleague with NHL.com, Washington, D.C.-based. One of the things, Sean, that I did today as before we started recording is I put a question out there for, for fans just to look at who is the most exciting player you have seen play either in person or on television. For me, Sidney Crosby, because every shift is an active lesson and how to play the game the right way. And at times, 
how to do the unthinkable. I want to get Tom's opinion when he jumps on with us, but first I want to get your opinion. We Look, the names have been rolling in, many of the ones you would expect, some more, you know, obviously a recency bias when you're looking at a Mika Zibanejad is on the list, a Matthew Barzal is on the list. What about you uh, from the list of from fans that have sent me what are you where are you on this who's the who's the most exciting hockey player you've seen play well if you go back to having seen on tv you know and it's only been in highlights i'd have to say bobby Orr. i mean I, I grew up at the temple of bobby Orr, right that's all anybody ever talked about when i was a kid and then you watch the videos and you see what he did and and just dominated games um so you know i, I would i would certainly say he's probably the most exciting player that I've ever seen live. Uh, you know, I thought one of the interesting ones and, and thank you for clogging my, uh, my Twitter <laughs> timeline. Um, it, it was Pavel Datsyuk, right? Like if you're just talking straight up exciting, like you never knew what that guy was going to do. Uh, probably the most skilled player I've ever seen. But the one thing that wasn't on that list, no goalies. Where's Dominic Koshik? That yeah, I think was the most exciting player ever because you never knew what he was going to do a barrel roll. He was going to do a poke check. He was going to, you know, do something crazy with his glove. Like a, as a goalie aficionado and, and a very poor goalie backing back in my teenage days, um, I got to put Dominic Koshik on that list. There, there was, I think, one guy who did put Henrik Lundqvist, but that is clearly a Rangers fan who is very excited <laughs> about a goalie who plays deep in his crease for his entire career and lately has been coming out of his crease. But there's no question that Dominic Hoshik is the most exciting goaltender that at least I've ever seen, certainly what you've ever seen. Curious now to get Tom Galitti's take on this. So let's bring in Tom. Tom, so exciting player. Sean and I were just talking about it. We brought up a few names, Bobby Orr. Pavel Datsuk, Sidney Crosby, Dominic Hoschek. Some other names got on the list here. Obviously, Wayne Gretzky, Alex Ovechkin, Mike Bossy, Pavel Bure, Connor McDavid. Where do you land on this? The most exciting player that you have seen play? Unfortunately, I never got to see Bobby Orr live. Uh, so really only highlights that I've seen of him. Um, I would say, I guess... I guess it would be Gretzky. You know, I remember one of my, the first time I think I saw Gretzky play live was... Um, I might have uh, 1985, 84, 85. Uh, the Oilers came to the to the Madison Square Garden. I saw them play against the Rangers, and I kind of was in awe of all those guys on that team: Gretzky and Messier and Coffee and Curry and all that. And like you know, as a teenager, I was like, "Holy cow! I'm getting to see these guys play live." That was kind of crazy. I remember that. Um, and obviously, in you know, in the last in the last few years, being here in Washington to see Ovechkin and do you know do things that like, you know, I don't know if I'd ever thought I'd see anyone do again, just kind of just scoring goals almost at will. It seems like sometimes you had four, four hat tricks this year. Um, seeing that, you know, and what he's still doing, you know, where it seems to be coming a young man's game, but he's still doing it at 34 has been very, very impressive. He's certainly on that list. I mean, it, just for a shot alone. And, at, you know, I think you could argue, you could argue about that list all day long but I, I think one of the things that you know we've been doing dan and i started the program with it and and then we had nick felino on and talked to him a little bit about it i think it's important that people that are listening to this for a little bit of distraction kind of have an insight into what's going on and and you know what's going on with you you know how have you handled the past week or so as as all of our worlds have changed it's been different uh Actually, some of it's been the same when, when you know, if, if I'm not traveling and say the Capitals on the road and I'm working on features, my day is kind of been similar in that I, you know, wake up and get 
get to working on things, whatever we're working on at the time, we have some things that are keeping us busy, some content that we're working on, you know, to, for the, you know, for NHL.com. So, but it has just been different in that, you know, uh, one, uh, I'm not here alone. Janet is here working in, in, in one room and I'm working in this room. We're trying to stay away from each other during the day, actually, to try to make it as normal as possible. Um, and every once in a while, every day or so, every other day or so, I go to the grocery store to see if they have any, uh, any hand soap. <laughs> one of the first days we went to the grocery store we use um we use liquid soap for the most part in our house and i bought like a six pack of irish spring and and my wife daryl was killing me or she's like we don't use irish spring and i'm like you'll be thanking me later so hopefully we hold on to that irish spring until i'm 70 years old and we don't use it till then but we got a little bit in uh a little bit in reserve, and if things get really bad, Tom, I'll send you a bar. I, I, we have bar soap. It's that liquid hand soap, like you talked about. They just don't have it anywhere. Like I, I actually last week I went uh, grocery shopping early in the week, and I, you know, people were talking about you know self quarantining, and I didn't think that was going to come to that, but I had just had this feeling, and I tried to buy stored you know stuff to have in the in the apartment just in case something happened, and that was and there, that was low then. I got a couple like you know just individual things that you can use that you know just a, a, a little small bottles but they were they're already out of almost everything else and it was you know kind of a foreshadowing of what's what's been happening and you know no toilet paper in any stores all that stuff it's kind of a kind of a crazy time but uh you know it's the, there are worse things to deal with in life and you know we'll, we'll get through this we just got to kind of you know as as the ho- old hockey cliche the sports cliche goes we got to go one day at a time with this and just you know wake up each day, do what we're going to do that day. And hopefully uh, before we know it, uh, we'll be back to normal and maybe there'll be some hockey games to cover. Well, I got to tell you, when we started this podcast, not once in my wildest dreams that I ever think that the three of us on this podcast would be talking about hand soap and toilet paper. But yet yet again, here we are. Let's move on. How about that? It's the new normal. (laughs) It, that is it, the biggest. Those are the two biggest topics in the world right now. I think. It is. It's amazing. <laughs> it is. But uh, it's it's incredible what's happening right now. But let's if we can circle back to hockey because that's hopefully what people are coming to listen yeah. to us for. Um, we we had talked about before you came on, Tom, to, and and we're going to do this: the Calder Trophy, the debate, right? So mm-hmm. I got a question for my mailbag, which is up right now on NHL.com this week, and it, about the Selkie Trophy. Like, who would be my leader at this point for the Selkie Trophy? And it, it gave, you know, we have time on our hands, so I had took the time and did some research, came up. My, my leader was for the Selkie is Sean Couturier, but it clicked in my head. Like, we could do this on the podcast for a number of different trophies. So we're going to do the Calder with you. Who's your favorite right now for the Calder Trophy? It is close, but I think I'm going to st- still stick with Kale McCarr, I think he's to me just slightly above Quinn Hughes and uh, in that kind of two man, uh, two defenseman race that we have. But coming up on the outside before things got slowed down, we had the pause here was was Dominic Kubalik because he got the thirty goals, which is pretty impressive too. But right now I'm sticking with McCarr. I would say. Look, I it's been McCarr all year, right? And I, he was he started out better than Hughes, like just in the publicity and. And, you know, who was going to kind of dominate. And let's forget how long this year's been. Neither one of them were in the top two when we came out of the shoot. It was it was going to be Kako and the other Hughes, right? Jack Hughes, not Quinn Hughes. So and things have changed a lot, I think, since then. Um, look, Kubalik's a good choice. Olofsson's a good choice. Yeah, and you have 
you have a couple of goalies that are that are making a legitimate noise. I don't know, you know, if if either one of them have gotten into that top three debate yet, but I think I put Mackenzie Blackwood somewhere in there. Well, you, I mean, Mackenzie Blackwood could certainly get in there, but you you know, I mean, I, I'm in the McCarr guy. I I, I I think I agree with Tom. I, I'm one, I think he's just a slight step ahead of Quinn Hughes. If you look at the the positive impact that McCarr makes when he is on the ice, um, how often the Avalanche have the puck, the difference he's making, especially on their power play. Um, I think with those factors, he just gets that slight edge. Uh, there, Mackenzie Blackwood. Look, he's got 22 wins and a 9.15 save percentage right now. For for a team that is going nowhere, hasn't been that good. 9.15 is pretty good from where the Devils were. But I, look, if this were to continue on, Elvis Merzlikens, 33 games played, may not be enough. But what he did for the Columbus Blue Jackets, we're going to talk goaltenders. What Elvis did for the Blue Jackets when Corpusalo went out of the lineup in late December, and how he. He helped carry them through. He's got to be getting to re- getting consideration for this right up there with McCarr and Hughes, I think. Yeah, I, I agree about Elvis that, you know, that, that they look, you know, everyone thought their goaltending, you know, we, they didn't, that was a question mark coming into the season because, you know, they lost, obvious, obviously, Sergei Bobrovsky's. And you're like, what are they going to do? And, and all season long, really, John Tortorella was saying our, our goaltending is not an issue. But when Corpus Allo got hurt, you're like, uh-oh, Corpusella had been really playing well. He was going to be – he got picked to the All-Star game the day after he got hurt. And and now all Elvis Mislickens did is come in and, what, five shutouts. He, he helped save their season, you know. And he's been fun to watch, too. That's the other thing that that's the other thing about him, you know, the excitement and the way he plays with the uh, – you know, the excitement he plays with, the energy he plays with. So, yeah, if he had if he had more games, I think we'd be talking about him more. But uh, he's he's been – definitely made an impact for that team and, and someone that should be – you know, you talk about – the people who fill out their their ballots for for the uh, Calder, there's five spots, and he would be one, one of the five spots for me, along with uh, like Sean mentioned, Mackenzie Blackwood. And you know what's amazing to me about about Elvis is he started out so poorly. You know, there was such high hopes for him. I saw him at Traverse City uh, back in September, and you know he played really well. And and there was a thought that he could come in and and kind of take over that number two job right away. And he had some trouble getting used to the North American game, went down to the AHL for a little bit. And then, uh, you know, he's kind of pulled things out. Clearly he's pulled things out. He's pretty dominant. And I got to think, you know, going back to the Nick Felino interview we did a little bit earlier, that Elvis must be one of those guys on that group chat that just <laughs> gets piled on because he's such a fun-loving personality. And I think the Blue Jackets have such a good time with him just because of how big his personality is. So um, he's certainly there. And I just want to say this. So when people listen to this and, and they comment online, I'm putting Adam Fox at number six because if we don't mention Adam Fox, Rangerdom, as Dan well knows, will lose their mind. We did a story on Sunday on the best rookie players in in the Central Division, and it was obviously Kale McCarr was the leader. And there were at least four or five comments that clearly people at NHL.com don't know what they're doing because Adam Fox wasn't mentioned, even though it was the Central <laughs> Division. So let's just make sure we get Adam Fox in this conversation. Absolutely on Adam Fox, John. I mean, look, the guy has had a terrific year. He has become, I hesitate to say he's their number one right-handed defenseman because they still have Jacob Truba and Tony D'Angelo. But if you look at his numbers and how he's played and and now he's, he, you know, with Ryan Lindgren, they've almost become the de facto top pair 
for the Rangers. He's got 42 points, a plus 22 rating. He's playing 19 minutes a game. He definitely belongs on this list. This list, Tom. Where are you on Adam Fox right now? Oh, I'm very, very impressed with him. Yeah, and like, like you said, he, he probably is there. You know, he's has he played better than you've seen him more than more at, than I have. Is he better than had a better season than Jacob Truba? Or I, I think he may have, and and yeah. I think he's only going to get better. You know, and impressive for a young, confident kid. And uh, where would the Rangers be without him either, as well? Yeah, you know, with with him having a better season, the thing is, Truba plays. I think a bit. It has for the balance of the season played harder minutes um, than than Fox has in terms of you know who he's playing up against and you know where the zone starts are coming from. But of but before the pause, like in the last little while before the pauses, the Rangers were really starting to trend in the right direction. Before a couple of losses, he Fox was trending ahead of Truba in my mind, and certainly ahead of Tony D'Angelo, who I thought his game tailed off a little bit as well. So I, I think we, Sean, I think we've given the love to Adam Fox. Well, well, we'll all be better for it in the long run. Let me tell you that. <laughs> uh, the other thing, we, Tom, we mentioned goaltenders. I wanted to ask you, because you're, you're closer to the situation than the two of us, Braden Holpe's future in Washington, I think he's reestablished as the number one there before, we, you know, before all this started to happen. But what do you think is, is or could happen with Holpe's future in Washington? It's going to be tough for them to bring him back just because of the salary cap, and and who knows what's going to happen with the salary cap now with with this pause. What is it going to mean to what the numbers will be? But just you know, they've been kind of you know, like you said, Braden Holtby really established himself as their number one in the last month or so before before the pause, and you know, and Ilya Samsonov, the young rookie, twenty twenty three years old, has had a really good season, but he he was for the first time we we're seeing him have a little pr- trouble with confidence just before the pause here, so. Um, that doesn't. It's still. It's going to be a hard decision, but I, you know, really the writing is that they're not going to be able to bring Braden back unless some. Ryan McClellan said this the day I think they signed, resigned the, they signed the Nicholas Backstrom to that extension that you know they're going to have to get creative to bring Braden back, and so it would have to be something that would force their hand. Like Braden also, you know, comes in and he plays really well in the, play, the in the playoffs. They win the Stanley Cup again. He's the Conn Smythe Trophy winner. I think they got to figure out a way to bring him back. But you know, or maybe Braden, and which would be crazy. Maybe Braden is willing to take a one or two year, year contract. But other than that, I think that really the writing is there that Ilya Samsonov is going to be, you know, going to take over as the number one, or at least share it with somebody next year. And that Braden is probably going to move on to somewhere else where, you know, he can get the contract where he, he's 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 thirty years old. You know, this is this is his chance to you know to set himself up for his future. So um, we'll just have to, you know, I, I do think that pro- most likely we're not going to see Braden Holtby back next with the capital, capital next year. Do you think Sam Soros ready? Well, that's the question. I think he, he could be ready to take on more of a, more of a, a, you know, a bigger role than he's had this year to play more games. Is he ready to play, you know, 50 games? I don't know. He's never done that in the, you know, in his career. I, w- I wonder if there would be more, I had said this to someone earlier today on a radio interview, maybe they need to bring in a veteran guy to back him, back him up kind of similar to what Philadelphia has done with Carter Hart and, and Elliot where Elliot, you know, they, at least they have that veteran guy to rely upon in some situations and Carter Hart doesn't have to carry the load every all the time. So I, I wonder if it could be more of like a split situation next year before you kind of really hand it over to Samsonov, but, Sam Sonoff has been impressive, and and you know, you know, up, up before this recent hiccup, right before the uh, the month or so before the, the pause, he was really, really good, and and showing why they had a lot of a lot of confidence in him and believe that he can be their their guy, you know, somewhere down the road in the future. 
Absolutely. He's, he's looked pretty good too. I want to change the topic real quick for both of you guys um, because of the pause and what we're on right now. I think NBC sports network, NHL network and Sportsnet are airing some classic games. Uh, and curious, do you guys have any classic game that you want to see that you would sit down and watch it right now? Um, well, I would, I was thinking about this and, you know, I mentioned the Oilers earlier. I would love to see the 83 Stanley Cup final and the 84 Stanley Cup final games from those, maybe the entirety of those two series, just to see kind of that transition from the Islander da- dynasty when, you know, they had won, they won the last of their four in a row by, by beating the Oilers in 83. And then the next year, the Oilers started their, you know, arguably dynasty by, by knocking off the Islanders. And, and you saw that was kind of like there, it's kind of weird to think about now, but there were, with all the guys who won so many championships on that on that Oilers team, but before they beat the Islanders, there were questions about, even though they were young, there were questions: Can these guys win the big game? They were talking about Gretzky whether he could win a big game. You know, obviously, it came down. They finally they did, and they won a lot of more after that. But that was kind of a very interesting time, I think, in the NHL, where they have these two great, great you know teams that went head to head and kind of passed, and the Islanders kind of passed the torch to the Oilers. So I'd love to see the, those two those two teams play play each other. Maybe those, like I said, those two Stanley Cup final series. Yeah, and for me, you know, one of the things that I'd love to see, and we talked about it a little bit earlier when, you know, I was naming my most exciting players and saying that I've only seen or on TV and it's only really been in highlights. I would love to see like a classic Bobby Orr game or, or you know, uh, playoff series against Montreal during during that time where, where you can really see what his brilliance was and some of the brilliant players he was surrounded by. When you think about that old time, I mean, the Bruins – Canadians rivalry has always been really strong but when you think about before expansion kind of diluted the or or spread out the talent over so many teams um each of those teams was incredibly loaded so I'd love to see something like that another thing I'd love to see and I every time it comes on I sit down and watch it is is that 94 Stanley Cup final I mean 95 Stanley Cup final between the Devils and, and the Red Wings just because you know, to me, that was one of the biggest at that point, one of the biggest upsets I had ever seen. And it was very early on in my career of covering the NHL. And, you know, I, I still vividly remember those first two games in Detroit and, and just how shocking the whole thing was. Um, so, you know, those are a couple of games that I'd put on my list. For me, Sean, I'm on I'm sort of in your boat, Tom. Certainly the Oilers Islanders Cup final from eighty three and eighty four would be on my list, but I would love to go get you know, get a, get a John Beliveau game or a Gordie Howe game, um, things along those lines, just because you never got an opportunity. But, but one I would also just go back and watch is one I would cut co- when I covered the 2009 playoffs, Crosby Ovechkin, the dueling hat tricks game. That, that is certainly one that, that I would rewatch just, I guess, to get a better sense of it when you're covering it, it's different. You're, you're in the moment and, and everything, but just to go back and rewatch that, would certainly be fun. But before we let you go, Tom, last one for you. You you did that '95 Devil Series too, right? I got the last two games of that series. Yeah, I was uh, actually covering the U.S. Open uh, when uh, in Adam Long Island for the first two games, and Sean was out in Detroit. <laughs> did, what do you? Any recollections from either of you two before before we move on, uh, Tom? That series in particular, like you, you, those last two games, Sean was just like the wow factor. What was it like for you? I was, it was, it was, I think by the time we got back to New Jersey, like you were, you believe the Devils were almost the better team, even though it, uh, you know, that wasn't the way it looked going in. And then 
I think uh, it was was it game two in Detroit where Niedermeyer scored that goal where he went end to end and the, and then missed the net and then got the cameraman and scored like that. Yeah. Just kind of I think I think that just showed the entire hockey world who maybe didn't know it like how good that how one how good he was and how good that team was and the skill the high level skill that maybe even to this day they don't get the credit for <laughs> that you know that was you know he was one of the best defensemen of his time obviously Scott and and that was a signature moment of his career and that happened to do that in the Stanley Cup final was pretty incredible I think that was a a, a moment even though I was watching that on TV it was a moment that you'll never forget as far as his career yeah and he would be on my list I'm going to add late he would be on my list of the most exciting players I've ever seen live I mean, I don't know how many players I've seen, and I can count them on one hand, and Connor McDavid would be one of them that skate better than Scott Niedermeyer did. Um, so I, I totally agree that the skill level on that team, they were they were so maligned, especially later editions of that team, as they were kind of blamed for bringing in defensive hockey and, and the dreaded trap word. But those early that 95 team had followed the 93 and 94 team with both of whom had scored over 300 goals. Um, well, not the 94 team cause that was a shortened season, but that 93 team had scored over 300 goals. It was the second or third highest scoring team in the league. So um, at least in their prime at that point, they were not this defensive monolith that maybe they became later and other teams followed. And, you know, they, they were a really exciting team to watch. And I recently had Kenny Danico yelling at me about how exciting that team was to watch. So he's obviously would agree with both of you guys. Tom, thanks so much for hopping on with us. All right, man. All right. I'm going to go look for some uh, hand soap. Uh, as Tom goes and finds some hand soap, Sean, we certainly thank him for jumping on. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Galitti NHL. And look, I mean, I'm glad we got to do this. This is, this is a lot of fun to do this podcast. A nice break in the day. Certainly thank Tom. Thank Nick Felino for jumping on and, Thank everybody out there, right, Sean, for their patience with any audio malfunctions. Is this our first time trying to do it this way? Yeah, look, it, obviously the quality is going to be slightly different because we're not sitting face to face with each other and, you know, kind of reading off each other's cues. But look, we're all I'm making excited. faces at you, though. I'm making yeah, faces at well, you and you don't even know it. That's no different than normal. Um, <laughs> so I just assumed that was happening and just keep on going along because I'm a professional. But uh, yeah, look, we're all making sacrifices, but I'm I'm over the moon, um, you know, that we could take an hour out of our day and, and talk about the game that we all love and connect with some people that, you know, are our friends or that we respect in the game and, and, you know, hopefully keep all you guys entertained. We got a ton of questions this week. Unfortunately, we didn't get to them um, because we had some guests on. Uh, we're going to save those questions and we, we plan on doing this again next week with more guests and, uh, but we're going to save those questions and maybe come up with some more fun ideas like the most exciting player. I thought that was uh that, that was a fun talking point to kind of get going on. So uh, I'm already looking forward to next week. Uh, I, I'm sure you are as well. Absolutely. It's no question about it. And obviously, don't forget to rate and review us when you get an opportunity. Keep sending in those questions. Tweet it at me, at NHL. Treat it to the show, at The Rink. Uh, you can clog up Sean's Twitter as well, at Sean Rourke, NHL. Uh, certainly do that. And I normally at this point, Sean, I would say enjoy the games. But instead, I'll just say everyone... Wash your hands and stay safe. Thanks again, Dan, and thanks everybody for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe and uh, maintain your social distancing.